0: James chapter 4, which is uh, entitled, Submit Yourselves to God. And uh, <clears throat> I see Susan standing, so let's stand for scripture, shall we? James chapter 4, and we're reading one, uh, verses 1 through 12. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you fight, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. who are you to judge your neighbor? May God add his blessing to the reading of his word today. Maybe see be seated. At the house,
1: we had a fantastic um, event on Friday that uh, Chase and Bell and Jay and a lot of other people helped out with to uh, really pull it off for our, um oh, I just can't stand this thing. I just either I forget to bring it with me or I forget to take it off. And actually, we have a rule here in the building. Anytime we're having a meeting, you have to take your mask off. Because if you're more than five feet away, all you hear, is <laughs> Yeah, so not good. But anyway, we had a great uh, trunk or treat. That went well. Praise the Lord. He did a great job. Um, some great faithful service. I just want to thank the News for their faithful years of service. You know, uh, as I was sitting back there, and I was remembering um, other retirement services I've been to, and uh, I just keep thinking of all those faithful servants who've gone before us and that have really laid the groundwork uh, for here. You know, any, anytime anything happens here, anybody knows me, I'm always like, praise the Lord. And or I'm saying, praise Major Noddle, because, <laughs> but there's a lot of uh, groundwork here and in any success here, it's always, it's always Jesus, always, always his hand. And if any failings here, I always say it's because we've gotten in the way, we've gotten in the way. But we do want to thank you for your faithful years of service. Jenny and I, as of June, uh, well, at yeah, June of next year, uh, we'll have 12 years to go. It seems so long from now, but you know, uh, when we first started off, and I thought 35 years seemed like it was going to be so, so far away, and it'll be 12 years to go. And the Lord has blessed us uh, greatly, and it's been an amazing journey, and he's got even more amazing things to come, and praise the Lord for that. Um, praise the Lord. You know, uh, as I said before, Jenny Perine, uh, Jenny Carr back then actually got me to read my Bible way back when we worked at camp. When she asked me that question, um, she went, "You know, you know, when you're a teen and you just want to be cool." And I, I literally exuded coolness, but uh, at least in my own brain, in my own brain, I did. The rest of the world different, different opinion. But she asked me you read your uh, read God's Word. And the only Bible I had back then was a King James version. So I coolly said, I don't understand all those these and thous and blah, blah, blah. And you know what she did? She went and bought me a Bible in the common tongue. And I read that Bible. Yeah. So, you know, it's still great to give out God's word to other people. It's still great to ask them how their spiritual life is. You don't have to say, you know what, um, I'm going to take you to church and have the major talk to you. We've had people do that. Strangers come in the building and say, uh, oh, Major, captain, whoever you are, pastor, talk to my child. Yeah. You talk to your child. Live Christ in front of your child. Let them see that. Let them see that. You know, in the parable of the talents, Jesus tells uh, the story of three servants. And two of the servants, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful a little. I'm going to give you much more. And, you know, that part of the story, who doesn't like a good story, Right? Who doesn't like a good story? Who doesn't believe in your heart? You know, you want to believe in your heart that if you work hard and you do the right things, you're going to be rewarded. That's what we like. That's why we love watching Disney films, right? Because the good person always wins. We love that. Except there's that third guy. There's that third guy. And uh, he didn't do anything with his gift. In fact, he buried it. He thought he was keeping it safe in the ground. And he's considered the worthless servant. Who wants to be that guy? And then, in fact, he's carried off and cast out into outer darkness. Who wants to be that? As I was sitting there uh, reading that this week, I was reading through the scripture, but thinking about that passage um, and the retirement, I I thought of when Jenny and I were in Europe, and um, when you go to cathedrals there, there's artwork all over the outside of these, and they're telling stories. You know, before there was PowerPoint, before there was the internet, before there was Google, there was church art. And so they told the stories of the Bible and tore, told the facts of the Bible through church art. And so I just want to, uh, this is from the uh, cathedral in Armines in uh, northern France. And you'll see, uh, it's kind of hard to see from here, but the top um, part, top left, is Jesus, the judgment seat. You see two people kneeling there. And then underneath there, there's a scale the judgment. But underneath that, there's two rows of people. And if you actually look this up later, not now, uh, you've got people walking off naked and another group that are clothed in righteousness. Now, you know where that whole thing is? It's right above the front door of this cathedral. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being the nine-year-old boy being drugged to church by his mom, who hasn't been good all week, dragging him to church? And the mom just points up. Do you want that to be you? Oh, no. No, no. And why would a mom do that? Because she loves her child, not because a mom is cruel, or it just says, you know, I think I feel like, when I get up this morning, I'm just going to berate my kid. I think I'm just going to guilt my kid, says, make him feel real horrible. No, because the mom loves the child. And the mom knows that there's, there's a difference. You can be with Christ in eternity. That's the goal. And for us believers, when we share Christ, that's the goal, right? We're not looking at, I'm trying to save you from hell. I'm trying to bring you to the throne of God. I'm trying to say, hey, you can have joy and peace in your life. You don't have to be sitting there all disturbed and wondering what's going on. I'll tell you, you can be disturbed right now if you turn the news on. My goodness I can't wait till Wednesday and even then I'm not sure I can wait till Wednesday I might wait till next week I don't want to hear anything about anybody else we have peace you know you know what here's something we can all hold on to you know the Salvation Army can disappear tomorrow and Jesus is still on the throne you know the United States can disappear tomorrow and Jesus Christ will still be on the throne You know, the Chinese could invade America or pick the country. I don't really care. And Jesus Christ will still be on the throne. That's what matters. It doesn't matter who's in charge over there. It's who's in charge in here. That's what matters. That's what matters. You know, when James is, uh, as we've talked before, James, this book, this letter is not written to the uncircumcised Philistines outside the door. It's written to the church. And when you read, the, thank you for reading the scripture today, thank you, but you know, those words sound harsh, don't they? When you read through that, you're like, whoa, he can't be talking to me, and yet that's exactly who he's talking to. He's talking to me, he's talking to you, he's talking to the church. And why? Because he's trying to get us to avoid the naked march off into hell he's trying to get us to realize we have something different he's trying to get us to realize we're gonna be clothed in righteousness if we're faithful to the end we're gonna be with Jesus Christ forever so James write these words to shock us he's to say hey wake up wake up have a real relationship with Christ if you don't know Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior and you're in this room or you're watching online these words don't apply to you you're already on that path you're already in that row of naked people condemned to hell but if you know jesus christ as your personal lord and savior what james is trying to get us to do is to realize we need to stay on that path and not turn the other direction if you want to know jesus christ obviously you can come see us after the service or you can call us on the phone be glad to talk to you if you're at home God's got a bigger plan for us. And that plan is to be with him in glory. This is awesome stuff. So James here provides practical Christianity for us. You know, the information for us needs to come in and faith is lived out. The results are works of grace and action for ourselves and others. The more you know Christ, the the less of you that shows up to somebody else. So we get to chapter 4 of our journey through James, and James, he kind of lets us have it. Note the obvious here, is that Christians uh, uh, must be in resistance to the devil. If you haven't got that from James so far, he makes it absolutely clear here. You can't be in love with the things of this world, uh, or it'll stunt your growth. It'll stunt your growth. Either you're transformed by Christ in your Christian life, or you're stunted. You can't live in both worlds. Let's look at James 4.4. 4. He says this, and this is, um, this is kind of amazing. You adulterous people. In other words, you unfaithful people. And then he says something that you'd almost want to say, well, duh. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Don't we know that? Of course we know that. And that we live like that's not true. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Wow. Wow. So the first word we're looking at is submit. Go ahead and uh, go to the next one. Yeah, there you go. So this is uh, how do you become a, uh, just on fire for Christ? How do you uh, live a successful Christian life? And so I'm going to give you four words. You need to underline them in your Bible. It would be great for you to do. So next time you're flipping through your Bible or abs- accidentally flips open, It'll already be underlined for you. The first one is uh, submit, and it's verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. You know that word, uh, what it means is to be in subjection, subject, uh, to, to be subject to. If a Roman soldier, but of course we don't have those today, but asks you to carry his uh, equipment, you know, you were required to carry that equipment for a mile. So when Jesus said, carry it the extra mile, it makes a lot more sense when you realize you were required to carry it for a mile. Jesus says go the extra mile. Show them. Christ's love, and you know what? You know when you go the extra mile as a believer for somebody, they're like, "What's wrong with you?" And then you can say, "Well, oh, I got Jesus in my heart. I got Jesus." Submit. You know, many know the second part of this verse, and I've heard lots of people say this: "Resist the devil, and he will flee from you." That's, I love this uh, cartoon thing up there. I think I used it a long time ago, but uh, resist. They got some guy Jackie Chan, kung fu, and the devil, right? But without the other side of that, you can't take on the devil's schemes. Submit yourself then to God. Then resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know why? Because God's got your back. Jesus has your back. Submission is needed to resist the devil. We have zero ability to take on Satan by ourselves. Zero. So we're called to be transformed. Second idea is repent. So, what's the cure? What are Christians to do? And verse 8 says this. Next slide, there, Josh. Come near to God. This is verse 8. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinner. Purify your hearts, you double minded. I have to say, uh, don't those words ring true today? What are we supposed to do about everything? Wash our hands. Wash our hands. In fact, next time you're in a restroom, you could uh, tell that to somebody right so wash your hands you double-minded person (laughs) you're going to have an instant conversation with somebody in that room (laughs) either they're going to run out and security's going to come and you can talk to them or you can talk to them about Jesus right then wash your hands you double-minded person purify your hearts um I don't know about you but you know and uh with this whole COVID thing um they tell you don't touch your face right Right after someone tells you not to touch your face, you know what you're going to do in the next five minutes? You're going to be doing that, right? I think that's how I got COVID. Because the only place I could think of where I got COVID was, was uh, Home Depot. And uh, I, I have no idea, but I'm sure I touched my face. Suppose we could pick up germs and, and things from that. you know, when we came inside the house, when we were kids, what did our mom tell us to do? Wash our hands. Why? Because she knew that we were out running around the dirt and playing with everything and bicycles and grease all over our hands and, and we were ready to sit down at the kitchen table and eat right then and if we'd have looked at our hands, they were black as sin. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. It cleans it off. So how do we submit? We repent. We repent. It's the idea that we wash our hands. It's the external washing of our hands, Right? You know, uh, Major New talked about, what he do with his records? He burned them. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Washing our hands is purifying ourselves. And then it says, purify your hearts. Notice you wash your hands first, then you purify your heart. You're controlling what's coming in. You know, we live in a dirty, uh, dirty world. And I, I have to tell you that... Uh, I don't know about, this is, was an 80s thing, I think. Remember, anybody remember white pants from the 80s? I think they still have white pants today, but for some reason, I feel like it was a bigger de- deal in the 80s, so I had white pants. You know, I could not wear white pants because if I put white pants on within about two hours, it looked like I had like rolled in the dirt <laughs> because it didn't matter what you did, when you wore a pants, you couldn't get near anything because if you scraped up against something, there was a mark on your pants. If you touched anything, Guys, what do we do? So your white pants would be incredibly dirty. So when I think about, you know, washing your hands, purify your heart, I think of white pants. Even though that white pants would be pure as white as as snow when they came out of the washing machine, I would make them as scarlet within 15 minutes. So so I think about getting dirty. And so the, the whole idea, if you think about your spiritual life, You know, you spend time in prayer with the Lord. You spend time in devotions. You spend time praising him. You spend time in repentance and saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Even asking God's forgiveness for for other people. Lord, we're just sorry as a nation. We've turned our back on you. Lord, help us as our nation repent and come back to you, Lord. We pray for ourselves. We pray for our neighbors. We pray for our friends and our family, our enemies, everyone. And we get up and we're feeling like, "Woo, Lord, you just filled me. And then we walk out the door and we bump into something. We get our hands dirty, rub our hands on our pants, and we're dirty again. You know what? That's normal. Life is normal. What's not normal is choosing to continue to wear dirty pants. What's not normal is choosing to remain dirty. When Christ has given the ability for us to be washed, to be made white as snow, and we choose to remain dirty. That's what James is trying to get across here. Repent. Cleanse your heart. Wash your hands. Man. Draw near to God. Third idea here is contrition. It's contrition. That's James chapter uh, 4, verse 9. And this, I have to say, this is one of those verses that uh, if you were just to read this without context, you would be completely confused. In fact, you may walk around as a believer that's always depressed and sad. I'm feeling worthless. Verse 9 says, Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. <laughs> Does God call us to be people of gloom? No. What it means here, it's talks about contrition. It means you're sorry. You're sorry. You know, Joel says... Um, Basically the same thing. And the idea here from Joel was that uh, the Old Testament uh, Testament prophets used this to show the reaction uh, people had to God's judgment. So they had already turned their backs on God. And uh, this was their reaction when they needed the Lord. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, meaning tear. Tear your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger anger abounding in love, and relents from sending calamity. Why return to God? To be washed, cleansed, as white as snow again. To be cleansed. To be forgiven. To be forgiven. Um, You know, we're we're to treat sin as sin, not flippantly. To be real about our spiritual position before the Lord. You know, there are times where some of the Christian music that I listen to, I just love. Like there's that song, we are a friend of God. Who doesn't like that? Of course I'm a friend of God. Amen. But, you know, other times I, I, I hear that song and I feel like it's not getting across what we really need to know. Because sometimes we treat God as if we're equal. As if we're equal. So rather than having a contrite heart, we go before the Lord with the attitude of, well, sorry, dude. Jesus is not our dude. He's God. We are not on equal footing with him. Green morn whale, that says a contrite heart. It says, I'm sorry. It says, I realized I've missed the mark. Lord, forgive me. Make me clean, white as snow. Seeking forgiveness, and we seek it in faith. And you know what? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Amen. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Our last idea is a humble spirit. You know, uh, it's kind of interesting, James here, trying to get across is be humble. Because pride, pride is that spirit that says, you know what, that sin doesn't matter that much. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. It's humble yourselves before the Lord, he will lift you up. It's a dangerous place when we try to act like we're on equal terms with God. We are called to be like Jesus, but we will never be Jesus. Now you might say, um, Well, at times, uh, dumb, major. You know, none of us think we're Jesus. Um, But how many times do we actually act like that? We want to rationalize sin and to believe our disobedience has no consequences. Or we think no one will know about that sin. No one will know about that one. And then eventually it just kind of burst upon the scene. These are the actions that put you in a position where you believe you're on equal terms with him. To rationalize your life is to believe that sin is not a big deal. And yet, James tells us, humble yourself before God. And it ties back to the idea of submit. Submit. To humble our- ourselves before God means to recognize our own sin and depravity before God. To know that we're not on equal terms. And that we need God's help. I'm going to be finishing up with the, just the scripture here from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. When you think of the word humble, think of this scripture. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. It's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. I know we've heard it a bazillion times from Luke chapter 18, verse 9. To some who were confident in their own righteousness. In other words, to some that were very prideful in their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Now again, as I read this, I want you to realize who's the audience here? Do you think it was the the sinner? It was the prideful. It was the church. But the message just applies to us all, because we're all sinners. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. By the way, you couldn't be anything worse than a tax collector, right? I mean, who likes paying taxes? Nobody. And back then it was even worse. So tax collector, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like any other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like that tax collector over there, in case God, you didn't actually see him. He's over there, God, the tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Can't you imagine if he had a third arm, his two arms raised to God, and he'd be patting himself on the back with the third one? But the tax collector stood at a distance, he would not even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And what does Jesus say here? I tell you the truth. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Sometimes we as Christians act more like the Pharisee than the tax collector. So when we talk about humble yourself before God, that's what that means. Know your position. It is God that lifts us up. Let God lift you up. Say, our value comes from him, praise the Lord, not from myself or anything else I do. In fact, every time I do something, I get in the way. Let him lift us up. I started out talking about the parable of the three servants and how the two of them received praise of well-done, good, and faithful uh, servant. And I always wonder about that third guy. Why uh, Why didn't he do the right thing? But can't you just picture him, the guy, complaining? Those other two guys are working too hard. Why are those other two guys getting more than what I get? That other two, two guys should be taxed, and they should give me more. I never understand why someone would want to claim to follow Jesus and then live like he doesn't exist. That is completely mind-boggling to me. Why bother being the unfaithful servant? Think about it. You miss out on what this world has to offer in this short life. And you miss out on heaven. Why be the unfaithful servant? The main idea here is God wants us to draw near to him so we can be near, and he can lift us up. He wants to rescue us. He wants to fill us with joy, his peace, his patience, assurance that we have Jesus Christ in our heart and that we're going to meet with him and be with him in heaven. Praise the Lord. That is the faith he wants us to have. As you read through these words of James, remember he's talking to us. But it's not from us to put the thumb on you. It's from us to remind us, hey, we're called to live holy lives. And if you're trying to live your, you know, your life with one foot in the world and one foot for God, man, you're just missing the entire point. You're missing it all. God wants to do amazing work in the church, and sometimes I believe we miss the church need to wake up. When we're praying for revival. We're praying for a revival, revived hearts here. Not hearts that say, you know, oh, woe is me, we don't know what's going to happen next. You know, I have Jesus in my heart. He overcame the world. Praise the Lord. This morning, I just want to encourage you. I know this, this passage might have seemed kind of woo, but it's a wake up call. Hey, we're called to be something better, amazing. And just because you're retired, you don't end. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's called us to be his hands and feet and voice here in this town. He's called us to be that with our family, in this church, uh, for the folks around us. Man, what a great adventure that he's placed before us. And how tragic it would be to miss out on that adventure. So I just want to encourage this morning, submit yourselves then to God and resist the devil because he will... For us, we want to make it to the end where he says, "Well done, good and faithful servant." Well done. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Lord, for this uh, time together. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for the Book of James, Lord. Wow, it's amazing. And Lord, I just can't imagine uh, a life without you, Lord. We thank you that your Holy Spirit's presence within our life, Lord, and that you speak through us, Lord, and you open doors long before we get there, Lord, and you know where we need to go, Lord. So, so I. Thank you, Lord, that you're there and patient with us, even when sometimes we circle around the same stupidity for long periods of time. Lord, continue to put people in our lives that will help us, encourage us to reach out um, to you, Lord, to move forward in our faith, Lord. Lord, you call us for so much more, Lord, and I just pray that we would grasp that and to move forward along your path. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here in this room and at home. If there's things going on in our life, secret sin, public sin, whatever it might be, Lord, that they might come before you, all of us, Lord, daily, Lord, to be washed, to be white as snow, Lord, and that we might daily come to you to be refreshed in our spirit, Lord. Not let the devil get a foothold in our life, Lord, but, Lord, allow you to, to have our back, to walk behind us, Lord, to walk in front of us, to walk around us, surround us in your love and protect us from him and his, de- and his demons, Lord. That we might be your witnesses here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, Lord. That the devil would flee because of your power and presence, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We pray for that kind of power within ourselves, Lord. Your Holy Spirit power and within this church. Thank you, Lord. And we ask this in boldness, in the name of Jesus. Amen.